Welcome to the Collins Hill Pulpit Podcast, a ministry of Collins Hill Baptist Church of Lawrenceville, Georgia. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you Bible messages that are relevant to the day and age in which we live. These messages have been preached from the pulpit of Collins Hill Baptist Church in recent days. Now, here is today's message. I remember correctly, um, I believe that Collins Hill Baptist Church started in 1906, I believe. So it has been around for, don't ask me to do the math, but it's been around for a long time, over a hundred years, I can do that much. This church has been here for over a hundred years, and when I consider that, I mean, I know it's a shock to you, but it's been around longer than I've been alive. Um, It's been around longer than anybody here has been alive by a lot. Because we're all young in here. And, um, but this church has, has stood the test of time. You know, as I, was, as I was thinking, I was actually talking to Savannah's grandfather. And um, he had preached at another church who had celebrated 100 years a few, uh, few years back. And he had said, you know, if you go back in time and you think about 1906, well, you know, the Civil War just, you know, wasn't too long over at that point. World War I hadn't even started yet. Then it survived World War I, World War II. It survived all of these wars that had led up until where we are today. It survived so much uh, trials and tumult in the world. There was so much that has gone on, but throughout all of the years, for over 100 years, Collins Hill Baptist Church has stayed here, has, has been in existence. And why? Well, because the Lord wanted it to. You know, there are churches every single day, every single week, every single year, whatever, whatever time frame you want to mention that sadly close their doors, that they just cease to exist, no longer exist. They shut the doors, they board up the windows and, and they leave. And maybe you know of a church in the area that might have just, it, they, they just quit. They stopped. They, they didn't They didn't have anybody coming, and it was just over. You know, I'm thankful that this church has never shut its doors. I know we've we've had COVID. COVID took place. I don't know if you remember that, you know. But COVID took place, and man, what a change. What an adaptation that had to take place in churches all over the country and the world. I'm telling you, I'm thankful I wasn't a pastor during COVID. But I could watch the men of God that faithfully led their individual churches, of course, it's God's church, but led the place where God had them lead and they did a wonderful job. And I'm not going to sit here and be an armchair quarterback about what should have done, what shouldn't have done. All I can say is that if the church is still around after COVID, then obviously they did something okay. And I'm thankful that this church is still going. And so as we consider, okay, well, we know kind of where we've been. We're, we're over 100 years old. We, we look at where we've been, and we could spend a lot more time on where we've been. But, okay, where do we go from here? What, what do we do? What's, what's the point of sticking around? Why, why has God saw fit to leave Collins Hill Baptist Church here on Collins Hill Road in Lawrenceville, Georgia? What's the purpose? Why? Well, today I, I pray that we can answer that question. The title of the message is the theme for the year, Go Forward. We want to go forward. In fact, I want to give you three specific ways this morning of ways that we want to go forward, areas that we want to go forward in. I know I posed this question a few weeks ago, but you you asked the question, okay, where do we go from here? We've got a a new year, a new pastor, so many new things. 
What are we supposed to do? Well, I can tell you that what God wants us to do is to go forward, to keep moving forward. The book of Revelation gives us an account of a, of a church. Last week, we looked at the church of Ephesus, but today we're not going to look at the church, but I do want to read a couple verses just by way of illustration of, of what God desires that we do and what we ought not to be. But Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 says, I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. Out of my mouth. What God is saying here to the church of Laodicea is they weren't hot. They weren't cold. You can use, you can use many different applications here. And I've heard it, I've heard it many different ways. But, you know, the, the warm water is useful. Cold water is useful. How many of you, when you gum back from working a very hot day, you say, man, I can't wait for just a hot glass of water? Of course not. You, what do you want? You want an ice cold glass of water, okay? Okay, cold water is useful. Okay, how many of you just love waking up on chilly mornings, going and turning the shower on, and you say, cold, please? No, you want a warm, hot shower, I'm telling you. One morning I woke up and I said, you know what, today's the day I'm going to start taking cold showers. You know, I got really motivated on YouTube, watching YouTube videos, these people waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning and going and working out for four hours, coming back, taking a nice cold shower. And I, I, I got, I'm serious, I got up, I went into the bathroom, I turned the shower on, get, kept it cold, okay? I was kind of, you know, psyching myself up a little bit, getting ready to get in, and I put my hand up under there, I said, nope, that's too cold, turned it to hot, got in, had a great shower, okay? We don't want to take cold showers. We don't want to drink hot water, okay? Both are useful. But you know what really isn't useful? Lukewarm water. I remember I used to play football, believe it or not, when I was about eight. We were all little tiny, you know, jokers. And I remember playing football. We, we had some water jugs out there. And, I mean, I remember drinking that water. It was just lukewarm. I mean, it was nasty. Well, what, is, what is God saying to the church at Laodicea? What, what is God trying to tell us? Well, He wants us to be useful. He wants us to go forward. He, he wants us to continue to grow. God, God desires not for His church to stay stagnant. That's what the church at Laodicea was doing. They, they were just stagnant, gross, still water. You ever seen maybe a, a puddle on the side of the road that is just filled up and it's just nasty? Mosquitoes everywhere in it. I mean, just gross, gross water. The church at Laodicea, they were stagnant. They weren't moving. They weren't growing. It was, it, was, it was gross water. And God says that he would spew them out of his mouth. Can I tell you that churches today in 2024, the church today is stagnant. The church is no longer growing. Now, of course, God is still adding to his church, but... The churches and individual local New Testament churches have said, you know what? We're comfortable with where we're at. We're just going to we're just going to hang out here. We're not going to go forward. We're just going to stay right where we are. We're comfortable. You know, there's two types of pain in a church. There's growing pains and there's dying pains. If God is growing the church, guess what? There's going to be some growing pains. But I would much rather growing pains than dying pains. As we consider this year, as we consider the church at Laodicea, as we consider Collins Hill Baptist Church, we need to move forward. We need to go forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. 
What are some areas that we as Collins Hill, we want to go forward in in 2024? Well, number one, I want us to go forward. I believe God wants us to go forward with the gospel. God wants us to go forward with the gospel. Join me here in Matthew chapter number 28. We're going to read a couple of three verses that are very familiar to you. And we're going to read in the book of Mark as well some familiar verses. Notice the Bible says Matthew chapter 28 and starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now flip over to Mark chapter 16. By the way, I do want to mention to you, I hope you keep your Bible handy today. We're going to be moving to some passages together. More, more, uh, more today than we will most, most often, but today I believe that it is necessary and what the Lord would have for us to look at some different passages. But Mark chapter 16, notice what the Bible says in verse 15. And he said unto them, this is Jesus, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What do we want to do this year in thinking and meditating on the, the theme, go forward? Well, what are some areas we want to go forward? Number one, we want to go forward with the gospel. The Bible tells us in these two different passages where we have recorded for us the Great Commission, when God says, look, this is what I want you to do. I'm leaving the earth. I'm going to come back. But while I'm gone, this is what I want you to do. He said to go. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go, go into all the world. Go to every creature. What, what are we supposed to go with? We go with the gospel. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone. Plus nothing. Minus nothing. How are men and women, boys and girls, saved today? The same way they've been saved throughout all of history. They look to Jesus and what he did on the cross. Death, burial, and resurrection. So how are we going to go this year? How is Collins Hill Baptist Church, how is the individual members, you, me, how are we going to go forward with the gospel this year? Well, I want to give you letter A. We want to go through personal evangelism. Personal evangelism. God has given each born-again child of God the command to personally evangelize. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that he that wins souls is wise. We, we want to be wise, don't we? We want to be wise stewards. We want to be wise Christians. Well, the Bible says that if we want to be wise, then we need to win souls for Jesus Christ. Macedonia World Baptist Missions, I mentioned this before, but they put out a sticker that I love. It says, go ye means me. When the Bible says, go ye into all the world, when the Bible says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, that go ye, it's talking about, that's you and me. It wasn't just reserved for the 11 apostles and then the 12 when, when Judas Iscariot was replaced in the book of Acts. No, it was to every creature that ever claimed the name of Jesus Christ. Those that are saved, God has said, hey, I want you to go. Well, how do we go? Well, the first way we go is through personal evangelism. When Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 called the first disciples, Peter and Andrew, and then later James and John, just, just right next, in the next following verses, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, these men were fishermen. 
They understood what it meant to cast a net. They, they threw the net out into the water and, and the fish would get caught up in it. They would pull up the net. They would go. They would clean them. They would sell the fish. This is how they made their livelihood. But Jesus Christ gave an even greater task to his disciples and he gives us an even greater task. Even beyond church membership, even beyond baptism, even beyond all of those things. And baptism, we'll get to that, but that is the very first step of obedience for a Christian. But, but we'll mention that later. But we see that what God commanded the disciples there to do was to be fishers of men. To be soul winners. To go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Jesus had given them a commission. And God desires that you and I fulfill this commission today. He desires that we fulfill it through personal evangelism. Personal evangelism. Going ourselves. And witnessing to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family, and strangers as well. D.L. Moody made a covenant with God that he would witness for Christ to at least one person each day. One night about 10 o'clock, he realized that he, did, he had not yet witnessed. So he went out into the street and spoke to a man standing by a lamppost, asking him, Are you a Christian? The man flew into a violent rage and threatened to knock Moody into the gutter. Later, that same man went to an elder in the church and complained that Moody was, quote, doing more harm in Chicago than ten men were doing good, end quote. The elder begged Moody to temper his zeal with knowledge. Three months later, Moody was awakened at the YMCA by a man knocking at the door. It was the man that he had witnessed to. I want to talk to you about my soul, he said to Moody. He apologized for the way he had treated Moody and said that he had no peace ever since that night on Lake Street when Moody witnessed to him. Moody led the man to Christ and he became a zealous worker in the Sunday school. D.L. Moody, he personally went and evangelized. Yeah, I want you to notice something about this story is that it was late at night. It was at 10 o'clock. Nobody was out watching him do it. Nobody was sitting by and saying, oh, look at, look at Dr. Moody. We're going to write a great article about it. No, but he had made a promise to his, to his God, said, I will witness to at least one person every day. And he went and he witnessed to him. He didn't do it for the lights. He didn't do it for the glamour. He just went and witnessed. There's a story that I remember, and I don't, I don't recommend witnessing this way, but... It was the way that, it, that, that this man witnessed, but John R. Rice, he used to go into bars and he would witness to the, to the men that were sitting at the bars drinking. He left the bar one, one day after witnessing to the men that were there and a, a lady in the church that saw him come out and said, you know what, I don't like the way that you're witnessing. I don't like it. And Dr. Rice said, well, how do you witness, ma'am? And she said, well, I just let people look at my life and I just let my life speak for itself. Dr. Rice said, well, I sure do like my way better than yours. You know, for a lot of us, we just say, well, I don't really witness because I, I, I can't or I'm just I'm nervous to talk to people. And, and I understand all those things. I, I'm, I'm, I can tell you. I can talk to anybody about the, the weather. I mean, we're, if you're a Bulldog fan, I mean, if you meet another Bulldog fan, I mean, you'll bark at each other. I mean, it's crazy. But the moment that the Holy Spirit says, hey, you should tell them about me. 
Am I the only unspiritual one here? The moment, you can talk about anything, but the moment that the Holy Spirit says, you should witness that person, you should hand that person a track. Man, it is like the end of the world has taken place. But you know, I have never, in my many years of living, and I have never in witnessing, when I was nervous to give somebody a track, nervous to talk to somebody, I never walked away, no matter their response, I never walked away feeling Oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I've always felt a sense of peace, a sense of just, man, Lord, thank you so much for using me today. But as we consider going forward in, our, in the gospel, going forward in personal evangelism, I'm, I'm not asking you to make the decision that Dr. Moody made to witness to every single person that you ever cross paths with. But what I'm just simply asking is maybe today to commit to the Lord that if He allows you to, that you will witness to just one person a day. That you'll just hand one track to one person a day. Uh, The University of Oxford Oxford suggests that the average person passes around a thousand people a day. Now, of course, this fluctuates for a lot of people. I, I understand that. But on average, the average person passes about 1,000 people. If you go to Walmart in Lawrenceville, you're going to pass by about a million people. Okay. <laughs> no matter how accurate or inaccurate this statistic is in our own lives, each and every person with the power of the Holy Spirit and with the determination of the Holy Spirit can witness to just one person every day. Lord willing, we'll have some new tracks that will be printed up here in the next couple weeks. Lord willing, this week we'll have them done in here and put back in those in the track uh, track rack. That's what I'm calling it. But what I'm hoping is that each and every person will grab just maybe five, maybe ten, maybe just six, and you and you walk out and every day Monday you hand out one, Tuesday you hand out one, Wednesday you hand out one, Thursday you hand out one. Now, if you want to hand out more, I'm telling you, you'll never regret it. But don't you think, don't you think that you and I, and and this is convicting to me, don't you think that you and I can just say, Lord, I can hand out one. Maybe you say, well, Landon, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference me handing out a tract, witnessing to somebody. I've never led anybody to the Lord and I've witnessed before and and it's just not going to do any good. Well, I'm reminded of a story. You might have heard it before. I'm reminded of a story of a young man. He was walking along the beach, and and there were a bunch of starfish that had washed up on the beach. And now a, a starfish, if it's up on the beach and not in the water, it'll shrivel up and die. And that young boy, this older man was watching this young boy walk along the coast, and he, he was grabbing one of them, and he just would throw it in the water. Take a couple more steps and just grab it and throw it in the water. Now, there were, there were millions of those starfish up on the, up on the beach. But he just kept walking, just grabbing them, throwing them on. That older man walked up to the young boy and he said, Son, what are you doing? He said, I'm throwing the starfish back. He said, Son, look around. There's millions of these starfish. That, you're not making any difference. The young man reached around, grabbed one, and said, I made a difference to this one. Threw it back in the water. 
You know, you and I, we may not be able to witness and win every single person we ever come in contact with. We may not win every person we witness to. But can I tell you, the one that does get saved, it mattered to them. So how are we going to go forward in the gospel this year? We're going to go forward through personal evangelism. Not only are we going to go forward through personal evangelism, we're going to go forward through worldwide missions. Now I tell you, when I start talking about missions, it makes me want to take a lap around the church. I love missions. I believe God's heartbeat is missions. And Collinsville Baptist Church supports missions. And what, what a wonderful task that you have taken on to support missions. It's wonderful. I commend you for it. But can I tell you that we need to support missionaries. We need to support missions. Notice the Bible says here, we'll, we'll just look here at Matthew chapter 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach all nations. Now how many of you, by a show of hands, notice my hand is not up. But how many of you, by a show of hands, can say that you personally have gone into every single country, I mean personally, gone into every single country on the face of the earth and told as many people as you could about the gospel? By a show of hands, how many? Good, no smart Alex. <laughs> I'd be the one who'd raise my hand, by the way. I'm, I'm the kind of kid that annoys preachers. No, I'm just kidding. I used to, not anymore. But none of us have personally gone into every single country and witnessed to as many people as we could. So how are we to fulfill the Great Commission without us being able to personally go? We do it through missions. We do it through supporting missions. We go into all the world by supporting missionaries... And we do it by, we support missionaries in a couple ways. I want to give you these couple ways. They're not on your handout, but you can mark it up under letter B there. But number one, we support missionaries by prayer. By prayer. We support missionaries by prayer. Prayer is the most important thing that you and I can do. I've been reading the autobiography of George Mueller. I have not been able to put that book down. In fact, I encourage you to buy that book and read it. That is, it's one of the most fascinating books that I've ever read. And as, as, as I turn each page, each page is full of prayers that he prayed that God answered in a miraculous way. You know how he got in the, how he, how he got the things that he needed was by prayer. He prayed and God provided. Prayer is the most important tool that we have as a church and as Christians. Yes, missionaries need our financial support. We'll look at that here in a moment. Missionaries need our financial support. But along with a written check, they need prayer. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1-2 through 2 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Paul, along with Silas here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, they had started this church on the second missionary journey, 
and we see that Paul, a missionary, is asking the church at Thessalonica to pray for them. They needed prayer. Pray for us, brethren. Pray for us that the Word of God has free course. We need to pray for our missionaries. I wonder, when was the last time that you prayed for the missionaries of Collinsville Baptist Church? When was the last time that you lifted up their names individually? Said, Father, I pray for the Rich family. I pray for the Wilsons. I pray for the Ross family. I wonder the last time that we did that. We support missionaries by prayer. We also support missionaries by giving. That's number two, by giving. That preacher's starting to talk about money. Everybody get nervous. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but she only. Basically, no other church other than the church at Philippi had, had sent and had given a gift, a financial monetary gift to the church or to, to Paul. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. They, they'd sent a couple times to him. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Now, it is no shock to you that it takes money to pack everything up that you own and to move across the world and to start a whole new life all for the purpose of telling that new people group or that people group about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I have been able to witness for, it just right here in my face a missionary that are out of the church there at Calvary and Statham. In fact, they will be here, if you want to jot the date down, but they'll be here March 24th to present their work. John David and Sabrina Williams. He was the youth pastor at Calvary. Miss Sabrina played the piano. They're wonderful, wonderful couple. They've got three kids. I, I, I love them to death. And I'm excited to have them here and to present the work that God's laid on the heart. But I won't tell you how old John David is because I didn't ask for his permission. But he's young. He's 40. That's just between me and you. But John David, he's a doctor of physical therapy. He's got his doctorate in physical therapy. He was a, he was a, uh, a uh, clinic director in Jefferson, there of, of a clinic there, a physical therapy clinic. Making good money, comfortable, enjoying life, serving as a youth pastor at Calvary. That's another story. It's a great story. I mean, they were comfortable. Miss Sabrina's parents lived eight miles down the road, which is Pastor and Miss Paulette there at Calvary. John David's mom lived in the basement of their house. They had fixed it up. I mean, they, they had everything. That they, I mean, they could have lived a very comfortable life, wouldn't have to worry about anything. But John David's brother-in-law uh, brother and sister are missionaries in England. They went out there for Christmas a couple years ago. And they, they made a trip over to the Netherlands. Wasn't on the itinerary. They weren't going to do it, but it just a last-second thing had to be done. They went over, and God started to work in John David and Sabrina's heart. And after a few months of praying, seeking counsel, they made the decision to follow the Lord and to leave everything. Cushy job, family, 
and move four or 5,000 miles away to the Netherlands to be missionaries. You know, it's amazing because I've got to watch somebody that I respect. In fact, he'll be on my ordination council this Saturday. Watch him give up a lot of world, earthly things. A lot of earthly things that they could have had, could have had, had to go across the world to preach the gospel to the Netherlands. Can I tell you, it's an amazing thing. But you know, how are they going to get there? They can't just pack up, buy a plane ticket, go over there, buy a house, and not have to worry about money. You know, that it doesn't grow on trees. You know, my dad used to say that to me, and I never got it. You know, y'all, you had that plastic card, you know, you could just swipe that, you don't have to worry about it. Now I'm older and I realize, man, I wish money grew on trees. But you know, they have to go, they're, they're on deputation now. They're going church to church, presenting their vision, presenting their burden. Not only asking for, for financial help, but for prayer. They're asking for prayer. But you know, they, they need financial support. They need support to get over there. And, and we as a church, we're praying about how God would allow us to support them. And I ask that you pray with us. As God directs and God leads, that, that Lord willing, we would be able to, to have just a small part in the work that they're going to do. That the Lord's allowing them to do and the Lord's going to enable them to do. But they can't just get over there with, with no money. In November, we're going to have a missions conference, Lord willing. We're excited. I'm excited for it. Every, mo- every time that I think about it, I get excited. I get nervous too. But I get so excited about having a missions conference. Brother Jason Hamby, he's the assistant director at Macedonia World Baptist Missions. He will be coming and will be the speaker each night. And I'm telling you, I pray that you'll make your plans to be here. We're, we're going to give you a sheet of some dates to remember throughout the year. We'll have that in the handout here in the next couple of weeks, Lord willing. But in November, we'll have a missions conference. We're going to focus on missions. And what you and I can do to get the gospel out for missions. To, to get the gospel out by way of missions. And see what the Lord will let us do. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. In the weeks leading up to it, we're going to have... I do know that the, the Thursday before our missions conference, Savannah's grandfather will come and he's going to share some of the great stories that he has. How the Lord's blessed through faith promised missions at their church. But we see here that we want to go forward with the gospel. We want to go through personal evangelism. We want to go through worldwide missions. That's how God desires that we as a church go forward this year. And I encourage you, I ask you, to not just hear the vision, but to catch the vision. Say, Lord, I don't know how you'll use me this year to do, to to go forward with the gospel. But however way it is, I'm surrendered to it. Won't you make that an earnest prayer of your life today? Not only are we going to go forward with the gospel, but number two, we're going to go forward in growth. Lord willing, we will go forward in growth. Number two. How do we want to grow? I think it's safe to say, and it's okay that we just state the obvious. We want to grow in number. Man, it'd be, wouldn't it be great to see this place just packed full, standing room? Man, I'm telling you, it would be wonderful. It'd just be great. 
Can I tell you, that, that would be wonderful. I would love to see that. In fact, throughout the book of Acts, we find this phrase that they were added to the church. I want you to come with me, actually, to the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter number 2. We're going to use our Bibles a little bit here for a few minutes. Acts chapter number 2. We're going to look at verse 47. Acts 42 verse 47. Or not Acts 42. Acts 2 verse 47. If there were 42 chapters in Acts, man, that'd be just added. We're just talking about the first church. We've read these verses before, but... Acts chapter 2 verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I want you to go with me to Acts 5 14. Acts 5 verse 14. And we're, we're, we're coming to a point here that I really want us to to see. Acts 5 verse 14. And believers were the more added to the church to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Go to Acts chapter number 11 with me. Acts chapter 11. Verse 24. We've seen this phrase added to the church. Acts chapter 11. Verse 24, notice it says this. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. There's some other places that we could go, but for time we won't. But we see that phrase, added to the church. Now look, this is my burden. This truly is my burden. I'm going to open up my chest, show you my heart a little bit. This is my burden. I would love for this church to be packed full. It would be wonderful. But you know, the, the, the people that I want to be filling this church, although it would be great, and I'm not saying no to it, but people that, that come from other churches, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I'm not saying anything bad about that whatsoever. But the people that I want to see added to the church are the ones that are being saved. New converts. Getting saved. You know, when the Bible says that the Lord added to the church such as should be saved, these were new believers. New Christians. But you know, with that, with that, there comes some growing pains. Because, you know, some, some people that have never been saved, that walk in the doors, they may look a little different. They may not be dressed the way that you and I are dressed. They may not quite talk the way you and I talk. But guess what? If they walk in those back doors, and they walk in and they sit down... Every single one of us, doesn't matter how they look, doesn't matter what color they are, doesn't matter how they smell, it doesn't matter. We should walk up to them, wrap our arms around them and say, we're so glad that you're here. Amen. Every single person that walks through those back doors. You see, it's my burden to not just see this church full with a bunch of other church people. And that'd be great. I'm not saying anything bad about that whatsoever. 
But I want each and every one of us to get a burden for the lost, to go out into the lost and dying world and say, hey, there is a God that loves you. There's a God that died on the cross for you to pay your sin debt. And you can be saved. And they say, you know what? I want that. They get saved and then they walk through those back doors. Guess what? Even after they get saved, the Bible says they're a new creature, but all things are become new. It's a process that they've got to grow. I'm getting ahead of myself, but they've got to grow in the Lord. And so as they walk in, you know what? They may not look the right way, but after, after, after some time and the Lord starts working on their heart, guess what? Some things will start changing. And it'll be wonderful because you and I get to, get to witness God actively working in somebody's lives. That's what I desire. When it comes to growing in number, it'd be great. It'd be great to fill the pews. It'd be, it'd be great. But when we look at growing in number, that should not be the end goal. The end goal should not be to have 6,000 members of Collins Hill Baptist Church. What should be the main goal? The main goal is not to grow in number, but to grow in maturity. We want to grow in our faith. We want our faith to grow. The word teaching here in Matthew chapter 28, the word teaching, it says, go therefore and teach. And then in verse 20, it says, teaching them. That word there that's used is the word disciple. It is the act of discipling somebody. And now a disciple is someone who follows the teachings of another. A disciple is one that follows after the teachings of somebody. We should grow in maturity. We should grow as a disciple. God commanded us in the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Martin Luther once said, we are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. The process is not yet finished, but it is going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. We should grow. We should continue to grow, to build up. The Bible tells us 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet or as it is necessary, because that's your faith, groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. What, what can you say? The Bible, it just says to grow in grace. Our faith should grow exceedingly. That's the end goal. That should be our goal is to grow in Jesus Christ. To grow We should desire to grow in number and grow in maturity. But number three, and lastly here, as we close, we should go forward in glowing. Glowing. We've got go forward with the gospel, go forward in growth, and go forward in glowing. Glowing. Like a light stick. If we were to turn all the lights out and we were to get a light stick out and we were to shake it up, crack it, and we were hold it up, guess what? That light stick's glowing. We ought to glow. Savannah, every time I see her, she's glowing. But I have a question for you. 
If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If the government came into your house and said, all right, your name is on the roll at Collinsville Baptist Church, you're coming to court. We're going to go through your life. We're going to go through your talk, your walk, everything. We're going we're gonna to see if you're a Christian. And if you are, we're going to convict you. You get to the courtroom. The judge says, well, prosecuting attorney, do you have evidence? Would they say yes or would they say no? You know, our testimony, we ought to glow. It should be clear to, to the world that we are Christians. The Bible tells us that we are to be two things. I'll give them to you real quick. Letter A, we are to be salt. We are to be salt. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is, there, it is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of man, men. We're to be the salt of the earth. Not only are we to be salt, but we are to be light. Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16 says this. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We ought to be glowing. You know, there's a lot of folks, and I've heard it, and in fact, I've said it because the Bible says it. Man, things are just getting worse and worse. Man, sin is abounding more and more. Man, this world is getting darker and darker. But can I tell you that the darker and darker this world gets, the brighter and brighter you and Collinsville Baptist Church ought to shine. We ought to glow. We ought to shine. We ought to be the salt. That's what God desires of us. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Bible message. We pray that you've received a blessing and we look forward to being with you again in the future.